Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Four Colors on the Page. I am the TC 1993. Shit, I haven't said that in a while. <laughs> and this is my podcast. It's all about comics and comic book stuff. Comic book people, comic book places, comic book things. And for our first episode, we're going to be counting down the, the our top ten favorite superhero movies. So, before we do that, let's go around our table and uh, see who we got. First, uh... Well, ladies first. My name's Omni. Uh, I'm one of PC's friends, so this is what I'm going to do to help him out. I'm a good guy. I don't know what else I'm supposed to say here. This is my first podcast, so... It works. Mike. Sure, I'll get over to... What? <laughs> you are. <laughs> oh, it's my turn. Okay. All right. I'm Mike. I'm PC's friend also. And... I like superheroes, and Superman especially, and this seemed like fun, so let's get this tit show over with. <laughs> and then, right. my, then my effervescent colleague from my other podcast. Of course. Jonah Miller time, or just Miller, whatever you want to call me. I'm a superhero addict, musician, artist, and uh, complete and total nerd. All right. So, um, in all fairness, we're going to go ladies first, and then we're going to go Mike, Chris, me, because that's how we look like on my screen right now. That's lazy. (laughs) So I'll just start at number 10 with X-Men First Class. I didn't really like any of the other X-Men movies because, I don't know, I just didn't like the dynamic. The first one was good, the second one and the third one was the donk. It's kind of really been touched on it. But X-Men First Class made me fall back in love with the series, which is why it got number 10. The action was good, the score was amazing, and the uh, the dynamic between Charles and Magneto was something I never really thought of before. Like, before they were just always portrayed as, like, old men. Just crusty, old men. Charles! You know, that kind of shit. So, I, you know, I kind of like it, seeing them in, in this different way. Like, Magneto's not as bad of a guy as we all thought. Number nine, the darkness. Bad, 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 bad. Going one at a time. Oh, shit. One, one person, one number. Mike, what's oh, your number ten? Oh, okay, so we're doing number tens now. Okay. Yes. My number ten is four. Because, well, because I, I think that this movie gets a really bad rap. I can understand people's complaints about it. Like, people say, like, it's almost like two movies. Because for the first 20 minutes, you're in Asgard, and Thor's fighting frost giants, and there's thunder and lightning and crazy god thing. But then he gets banished to Earth, and the whole middle of the movie is powerless Thor tries to make good with Midgard. And then after that happens, and he gets his hammer back, the last 20 minutes is the same thing as the first 20 minutes. Asgard, lightning, thunder, and battles. So it's it's very disjointed, and I can understand the gripes with that, but... For me, in terms of movies, I'm, I'm probably going to end up saying this for a lot of my numbers, but I like characters in movies. I get invested more in characters than in storylines. And I love storylines, but for me, it's the characters that make it. And Thor has always been one of my favorite characters in any medium, and just the, the way that Chris Hemsworth played him, and whether he was with his hammer fighting frost giants, or just honor being unfamiliar with the customs. And just, I thought the, like, the fight scenes when they happened were great, especially 
for some reason, the sound that Thor's hammer makes, like the boom, 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 that it makes when it swings it, is like one of the coolest sound effects I've ever heard. So that's actually like in the top ten reasons why I love the movie. But that's beside the point. But so yeah, Thor. I like Thor a lot. Miller. That, that was a lot of passion. All right. So my my number ten. My number ten was actually the uh, the X Men movie from two thousand. And uh, this movie, this movie, I really dig this movie because it was, um, it was my, it was my first Marvel superhero movie. Because uh, before that, um, there was a lot of DC movies that were out, but there really wasn't anything Marvel related. And then, you know, I'd always been a fan of X Men the animated series. I watched X Men Evolution, things like that. And then, uh, and then X Men the movie came out, and it just really it made me. Oh, even more with the X-Men than I thought I ever could because, uh, you know, I felt like um, casting-wise, they did a really good job. You know, of course, Hugh Jackman is a is an absolute perfect Wolverine. Um, they couldn't have picked a better Professor X if they tried, you know, because, I mean, just I grew up with Patrick Stewart on TNG, on Star Trek TNG, and so to see him playing Professor X is just wonderful. And uh, even even the villains, you know, of course, Magneto was fantastic, you know, and of course, later on you find out he's supposed to be German, which is funny, but, you know, I mean, overall, the movie was great. It, it got a lot of people into X-Men, and that's really, that's why it's my topic. Yeah, Okay, my number 10 is, uh, is Batman Mask of the Phantasm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it at the time, and still, for uh, for for the closest you can get to a comic versus Batman without it being silly, I think it I think it does the best out of all the movies. Every other movie has a different version of Batman, and the fact that it's not silly is probably helped by the fact that it's animated. It may not have been able to hold up as much as a live action movie, but um. The voice cast is great. You cannot, you can never overlook Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill as Batman and the Joker. Um, and just stylistically, just like the animated series, it's visually grabbing. It's that hyper 40s and 50s look to it everywhere you go. It's just all sleek and sexy and just... It's really it's a good-looking film. It's wonderfully animated, and uh, compared to the other Batman movies that were around at the time, you know, in the '90s, it's competition. It it, it solidly blew out of the water. Uh, so now on to our number nines, which I totally boned at the beginning of this, and I'm sorry. Uh, I had The Dark Knight as my number nine. Which is weird, since I'm such a big Batman fan, and this was actually a movie that I watched it once and had to watch it like nine other times. But it's low on my list because it's like it's like what Mike said before we started recording. When you break it down, it's a movie about Harvey Dent, and Harvey Dent is one of my least favorite characters. That aside, it got on my top ten, uh, top ten because I love the way it was. I thought that Bruce, though, was, like, really, really wanksty. Like, wasn't he, like, always complaining? And the fact is, Rachel! Oh, God, shut up. I hate... I, I 
really didn't like Rachel. Joker, of course, we can't talk about The Dark Knight without talking about Joker. Heath Ledger's Joker will go down in history as one of the most finely played characters I think I've ever seen. Because you take the Joker and it's such an open-ended interpretation. He's a crazy guy with a clown motif. He made him not really so much insane as just super, super terribly smart. He knew human nature like the back of his hand and it was just scary to watch. Scary to watch him talk. Um, but I didn't like the fact that like there was like so many frame stories. There doesn't need to be that many frame stories. It's good to just have a nice cut and dry movie. So that's why it's kind of low on my list. And on right. <laughs> I All right, wait. Is it my turn? Fuck. Uh, yep. Okay. Let me hold on. Let me find my list. Shit, I forget what I had for number nine. <laughs> number nine. Oh, okay. So this is actually interesting because my number nine is predecessor Dark Knight, Batman Begins, which I actually like a lot more than the Dark Knight. And one of the main reasons is it's like what Omni just said. It's Dark Knight when it comes down to it. Batman's in the movie, but. The movie's really about a man who's passionate about the law and doing what's fair. Harvey Dent. The movie's about Harvey. And Batman just happens to be a major player. Whereas Batman Begins is the formative period of Bruce Wayne becoming Batman and coming into his own and embracing fear and all that crazy... That shit. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, it's just... It's, it's a real superhero movie. Whereas The Dark Knight is more like... A character piece, a crime drama in that sense. And another thing that actually I'd like to point out that I've been thinking about and I've decided I like Celine Murphy's Scarecrow more than I like Heath Ledger's Joker. Ooh. I absolutely love the Scarecrow and the way Celine Murphy plays him. Because, you know, it's when he's when he's Dr. Crane, when he's not wearing the mask, you can just sort of see like in his eyes and the way that he talks especially to Rachel. The way he, like, sasses off Rachel, you can sort of see behind his eyes, like, if I could, I would just break your mind like a twig. But I can't, because we're in public. <laughs> and then and then when he's with Falcone, he just says, would you like to see my mask? That was, like, I, I, that's a very good memory, because I remember thinking in the movie, they're like, oh, man, he's going to be the scarecrow now. <laughs> and it's just, that was such an excellent way to introduce a villain, and I'm really disappointed that he was in The Dark Knight for five minutes. And that's all I have to say about that. Like, that's another instance of, like, crazy, but crazy, scary, smart. Yeah, but he was, but he actually was, like, fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah. And it, it just, and and on the, on his Dark Knight appearance, it's just, I... I enjoyed his 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 appearance in the Dark Knight. It could have been longer. He could have, but uh, his appearance in the Dark Knight and um, it was just it was good. It was fun to see him again. Being all what what is wrong with this guy? Not my diagnosis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 oh, that line God. is amazing. Okay, so enough about Crazy Face, Scarecrow. Miller. It's Miller time. It is Miller time. So my number nine um, is going in a slightly different direction. My number nine is actually the uh, the first Spider-Man movie from uh, the year 2000, directed by Sam Raimi. And uh, this this movie, I picked this one for number nine because it's, um, it's definitely, without a doubt, 
I said I said that X Men was one of my favorite superhero movies, and it's very much the same for Spider Man because, um, you know, the first time I watched it, I knew I was going to end up watching it over and over and over and over again. I thought this is kind of an unpopular opinion, but I thought Tobey Maguire did a fantastic job uh, playing Peter Parker as as you know, kind of an awkward teenager who is just starting to deal with the fact that my uncle is gone. I've got these crazy superpowers. What am I supposed to do with them? You know, and I I liked the fact that they made the relationship between um, between Spider-Man and the Green Goblin more personal. And Willem Dafoe was an amazing Harry Osborn. I mean, the guy just plays yeah. crazy evil way too well. Crazy evil smart again. Crazy evil again, smart once again. Yes. <laughs> Can I just say that I just and, say that that scene with the mirror is probably one of the finest pieces of acting I've ever seen in any movie. Oh, absolutely! God, it so it is. Like the the crazy thing is him doing that. I remember watching the Boondock Saints and seeing that again when he was in the Boondock Saints. I'm just like, I, I don't know what it is he does, but he just makes me want to watch whatever he's in. You know, and just, I mean, overall, it, it was a solid movie. There were some bad points. I mean, I did not like Harry Osborn at all. I felt like he was an unnecessary character. Um, I mean, Kirsten Dunst looked like Mary Jane, but didn't act a thing like her. No, and that was that was my biggest thing, was, you know, Mary Jane is supposed to be a very solid character. She's not just some damsel in distress Mary Sue that's there to get saved and kidnapped. But, I mean, those aside, Spider-Man is always going to be one of my top ten. Okay, now on to me. You mentioned J.K. Simmons. <laughs> hey, pictures, hey, pictures, of pictures. Simmons. pictures of pictures of pictures of Spider-Man. What? <laughs> you, can't, you can't can't really talk about Spider-Man without mentioning J. Jonah friggin' Jameson, man. Jesus Christ. Jesus that Christ. guy was dumb. <laughs> Fantastic. But it, it's PC's turn. But uh, yep. my number nine is a uh, is a uh, is 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 a uh, Superman two. Um, yeah. Superman two. Um, it is without a doubt of all the Supermans the one I've seen the most, and that's a good reason. Something about it's always attracted me. It was, you know. Christopher Reeves, you know, is, was, will always be Superman. Everyone else just shares it with him, in my personal opinion. Yep. Here you can borrow this. That, that's that's what other actors playing Superman, you know, are doing. They're borrowing it. Um, the, the, you know, Zod and all that, that was very interesting. And uh, it's just, um, I don't, there's not much you can say. It's just um, Gene Hackman. Turned in a very, a very well performance of of Lex Luthor in this very kind of cool '70s kind of way that no one's ever looked at Luthor in a way like Hackman did. I guess that's just because Gene Hackman is Gene Hackman. And uh, the reason I picked two over one, I don't know. It seems like you get more into. His relationship with Lois, which is always one of the most popular things, one of my favorite things in the in in the comics, which just was Superman's relationship with Lois. The, that reason being behind my favorite version 
of Superman, um, or my favorite long-running thing about Superman was um, was Lois and Clark: The New Adventures in the '90s. Um, that was always one of my favorite versions of Superman, and this has a very similar thing where it's about him and Lois more than you know the the, uh, the others seem to be. And I, I also picked it over one because the, the ending of one just it it still makes my my brain hurt just a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah, I can, actually, I can actually tell you a fun fact about that, but yeah. I'll get to that when I talk about Superman two and one. <laughs> Superman's a fine movie, but just 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 the ending. It seems it, it's it's that's that's not how I that's not how time works. I'm pretty sure, and I don't know. It just seems. You know uh, what it struck me as kind of like the ending to like one of the Power Rangers. Yeah, it just <laughs> I don't. I loved it, but still, it was just oh, really? Did we? Okay. It. I mean, I, I'm gonna let Mike tell the fun fact though, because I know the fun fact too. But I'm gonna mm-hmm. let Mike tell it since he's the resident Superman. While you're talking, Omni, what's your number eight? Oh, uh, the Crow, the original Crow with Brandon Lee. Why do I have two movies on here that has an actor that has died? either in or after production. I don't know, but I really like them because they're really close to my heart. The first time I watched The Crow was on, like, some stars movie channel late at night, and I just... uh, Just the visual imagery, the way that the guy moved, the way that he... Like, you know, wore the trench coat and, and the makeup. At first I thought it was, like, a joke. It's like, why is this dude wearing clown makeup? And then it's just all like, oh... I didn't realize it was a comic book movie until I saw The Crow, the comic book, in like Barnes & Noble, and I read it, and I'm just like, shit. Um, but yeah, Brandon Lee did an amazing job in that for how long he was in it. I mean, he wasn't even in it, like, he wasn't in it for very long, and then they just used a body double and used digital to put his face on, but still... Uh, it was just an altogether really good movie. There are some points that like seemed kind of unnecessary. Like, like I think one of the one of the opening scenes was, I don't know, they're just eating a hot dog in the rain. It's like, <laughs> go home, kid. Jesus. Uh, but then we find out why she couldn't go home. Like, yeah. like just the character of Eric Draven is just so just chillingly devoted to Shelley in a way that I think a lot of like, in my case, I you know, I'd like to have a boyfriend that, you know, if I got beaten the hell out of, would come back from the grave and kick some ass. But at the same time, he was just such a sympathetic character, uh, even as he was going about and killing all of these people. Like, you know, we've got Superman archetypes and Batman archetypes, which is we don't kill anybody. Killing is bad, no matter who it is. And then we've got the crow, who's just all like, fuck y'all. <laughs> and of I think course. it's just a, Yeah, it was... It was it was gritty. It was re- some of the some of the scenes still haunt me to this day, and I I still watch it even though it gives, scares the bejesus out of me at some point. Yeah, and of course you can't you can't talk about the crow without mentioning the legacy that the crow had because you know after that movie came out, I know um, the wrestler Sting actually started wearing crow makeup and a and a black trench coat yep. because of the movie. Yep, completely changed completely changed his character. Is more just a you know a walking. It was, yeah, the crow's, yeah. Le- <laughs> the crow's legacy is, you know, undeniable. It's, you know, and same thing with, you know, Heath Ledger's Joker just captured people's experiments with. I don't think anybody could do it better yeah. than he could. 
That's the whole thing. And the sequels have proved that. Yep. I'm not going to touch on the sequels. Yeah. Fuck the sequels. <laughs> I'll, probably, I'll probably touch on them when you get to get to if get to me talking about their crow. But um, number eight, Mike. 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 Oh shit! Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. What the hell are you doing between takes? Punishing. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, so my number eight. Oh boy, here we go. Get ready. My number eight is Superman Returns. And as all these losers in this call know, I am... I like I like Superman a lot. <laughs> I really like him a lot. To the point of... More than everybody. I, I really like Superman. Superman's my, my favorite anything. Like comic book character, movie character, TV character. My favorite anything. Everything. Like, if I had to pick one favorite thing, quiet. <laughs> it would, it cements my single favorite thing. Which perplexes me when you pick Superman Returns as one of your favorite movies. Oh, quiet. Alright, but this is, a, this is another movie, like Thor, that gets an exceedingly bad rap. And I hate it. For, and I hate the fact that it does. The bad rap. Not the movie. I love the movies in my top ten. But, you know, it's just people say it's boring. It's, you know, it moves slowly. The characters aren't interesting. And I think the problem that people have is they equate superhero genre, as a genre with action as a genre. And I don't think that has to be the case. And Superman Returns is a prime example of that. It is not an action movie, certainly. It's more of a character study than anything else. And, you know, other people had problems with the casting, like Brandon Routh. They, like, they thought he looked too young. They thought he didn't do a great job. I thought he did a fine job. Brandon Routh was put... the most amazing part of that film. You did? You thought he was? or Yes, I thought he was amazing. Oh, I thought he did great, especially as Clark Kent, because Clark Kent was spot-on great. Superman could have smiled more. That's my one thing. And then, of course, the one thing I'm surprised about is how much people like Kevin Spacey as Luthor. I did, I did not. Yes. I, 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 of course, I liked him just because he's fantastic, but it's a, it was very outdated. He played Gene Hackman's Luthor from the 70s. He played a character from the 70s instead of when people think of Luthor today, they think of the billionaire corrupt industrialist, like sort of like evil Tony Stark kind of. But, you know, it's just, it, it, was a, it was a character study. The moments with Superman, like saving the plane, was unforgettable. Him as Clark Kent was fantastic. The, the actress, what's her name, that played Lois Lane was, was absolute shit, though. Like, that I will not She was the worst. Awful. What the hell even was that? Oh, the hoe bitch hoe. <laughs> and that's why Superman Returns is my for hoe bitch hoe reasons. My on Superman Returns, I feel like if you if you go into it knowing that it's more about the character and it's not actually it's 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 a good movie. But visually, it's so I, I get off with it. I don't I don't feel like the Superman visually should have been such a desaturated looking movie. Yes, I agree. It should have oh, been. I will say one thing: the flying. Flying sequences looked great. See, my thing is, I don't know where it falls with the other Superman movies. Like, where, like, it's Superman Returns. Did he go somewhere? I don't know. Like, is it the, the movie? Movie? 
Yeah, was it supposed to fall after Superman 2? Like, yes, I don't... Yeah, all after Superman 2, and, like, in between movies, he left for five years to go back to Krypton. They talk about it. See, I've, I've never seen it, because I get so confused reading the back of it. <laughs> 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 I, I go to family video, just like, okay, I guess I'll watch Superman Returns, and then I end up not, because I'm just like, I'm not sure if I can follow this. Oh, yeah, it's after Superman 2, and... Like in the interview, like Lois interviews him, like, what, why, what, where'd you go? And he says, I left to, because I heard Krypton was attacked, and maybe, maybe someone would still be there. And he was gone for five years, and then he returned. And then it was sad. Because the answer to those questions were no. Yep. And then, okay. and then Miller came onto the scene. And that's my number eight, and now Miller, and now it's Miller time. It's Miller time once again. Every time, Mike? Is it going to be every time? <laughs> I hope it's every time. <laughs> it needs to be every time. Yes. But, yeah, uh, for my, it is going to be every time. Hell yeah. For my number eight, I um, I went I went with a with a I decided to go with a sequel to my number nine. I I picked uh, Spider Man two, and. Uh, I picked Spider-Man 2 because Spider-Man 2 is one of those rare it's one of those rare movies where the sequel ends up it ends up surpassing the first movie because like Spider-Man Spider-Man 1 was a fantastic story on on Peter Parker coming into his own as Spider-Man having to deal with Norman Osborn and you know the Green Goblin and then Spider-Man 2 it was um it was more about Pete just you know it was Pete sort of accepting his fate it was him just becoming more of an adult and you know and then of course we have to talk about the fantastic villain that was in this movie we had um you know we had Dr. Octopus or Dr. Otto Octavius and um I mean the guy that they cast for for Doc Ock was just incredible and I liked the fact that he was more than just a mad scientist but rather just you know, he was just more of a, a prisoner of 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 his own machine. You know, because he was his a sad scientist. He it was so sad because his you know the thing that he built to help him help the world ends up sort of taking over him and turning against him. And in my opinion, like you know, every superhero movie always has like one iconic scene. And for me, I feel like that iconic scene was the moment when Spider-Man stopped, when he stopped that subway train from running off the tracks. Right. Yeah, when he, like, when he stopped that, when he stopped that subway train, and he's passed out, and he doesn't have his mask on, and everyone's just like, oh my god, he's like, he's a kid. You know, like one guy says, he's no older, I've got a kid that's no older than him. You know, and then he wakes up, the little kid brings him his mask and says, we won't tell anyone. Like that to me, I cry every time I see that scene. I think it's because they don't know who he is. <laughs> just like, oh, it's just, just some random kid. Yeah, well, that's the biggest thing. They're just like, oh, it's a kid. <laughs> you know, he and yeah, and the and of course, you know, when like seeing seeing Doc Ock die, like the fact that Doc Ock towards the tail end he becomes a reform, you know, the reformed villain and. You know, ends up helping helping save New York, help save Spider Man and Mary Jane, and you know, it's one of those classic. Uh, it's one of those classic superhero endings where 
know, he gets the girl, uh, um, you know, good prevails over evil, and it's just, it's a very, it's a very feel-good movie, and I, once again, like with Spider-Man, I'm, I'll watch it over and over and over again, and that, that's why it's my number eight. All right, my number eight, another animated feature, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Um, I was mostly sent from, you know, the age I am. Batman, Batman Beyond was the biggest thing on Saturday mornings when I was a kid. It was just, and and for good reason. It's just like the animated series. Just it's there's the both of them are everything Tim does. Bruce Tim did was just so visually cool. And just this, 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 it, it was a cool, cyberpunky, gritty future, and, um, and that's just Batman Beyond in general, and just the Joker, it's, it's an interesting concept. You take, you take this kid who is, you know, you know, who's a very different type of Batman. He's a Spider-Man type of Batman. He's, he's a mouth, you know, <laughs> and you put him against, you know, you know, you know, Batman's greatest enemy, you're gonna you're gonna get a very different dynamic and it's just and the way that Joker came back was just it it, it remains to be one of the set that the flashback in that movie remains to be one of the saddest things ever drawn. Never not cry. The funny thing the funny thing about that scene is the censored version is actually ten times more disturbing than the uncensored version. Right? Yeah. I noticed that there are two different freaking versions of how the Joker died. Because yeah, with the censored version, he just gets shot. That's no big. The uncensored version, he stumbles into a generator and you watch him getting electrocuted. Actually, no, it's, it's you have it reversed. The uncensored version is he just gets shot in the chest and they decided, oh, that's too bad for TV. So we'll have him slip in a puddle, pull a generator switch, and then cut to Batgirl listening to a blood-curdling shriek. Yeah, I know, and that shit scares the hell out of me way more than Joker getting shot. It's just... Well, yep. ironically enough, my number seven is also Return of the Joker. We don't want to hear it. I'm going to show a follow-up. Um, I always liked the Bruce-Harry dynamic, especially knowing what the comics fans and the, and the animated universe fans know now. Terry is actually, technically, through some weird ass genetic engineering, Bruce's biological son. Spoiler. But, I just... It's been ten years. I think they know. <laughs> I think they get. But I, I liked Terry as Batman. Terry gets a bad rap as Batman because he's like, he's so unconventional, and he's not trained this is a kid who has wrestling skills at, like, high school. He is 17 at the time when he dons his cow. 17, that's it. So, it's like, and then he's going up all against this heavy shit. And I think throughout the entire span of the series, he just graduates high school. He goes from being a sophomore or something to, you know, senior. So it's just two years of complete and utter craziness that this kid goes through on a nightly basis and he still somehow manages you know to pass high school I, I really like teenage superheroes so when he goes up against the Joker it's like this is the biggest thing he's ever faced he's had to face off against Freeze and I remember everybody thought that that Freeze episode was like really heavy good god 
I think my favorite scene in Return of the Joker is the face-off against the Joker in the toy factory. Because he does, it's like what TC said, he does things completely different. He's not cool, calm, and collected Batman that doesn't say anything. I remember there was an episode where maybe Batman said two or three lines in the original animated series. And then there's this Batman who is constantly talking, and it's because he's a kid. And he's facing off against the most evil of evil, the animated Joker, Mark Hamill's animated Joker. And he whoops his ass. <laughs> but yeah, so that was my number seven. Props for Ace being a badass and taking out the Joker in that movie, too. Hell yeah. All props go to the dog. Uh, <laughs> Mike. Mike. Uh, okay. I'm right here. I didn't fall. Okay, all right. Let me find my list again. Uh, Just keep it up. No, I like looking at your guys when you're talking. Okay, so. Oh, ooh, fun. My number seven is an animated movie. It's pretty recent. And that would be Justice League Doom. Which is, for anyone who's listening and didn't see it, uh, first of all, see it. Second of all, it's, uh, it's the premise of the story is a group of villains, each with a personal vendetta against a member of the Justice League, gets together. And Vandal Savage, their leader, has managed to steal contingency plans that Batman created to take out the other members of the Justice League without their knowledge. So the conflict of the story is sort of half them trying to get through these plans and beat the bad guys, but also sort of the whole uh, mistrust brewing among the group because of what, like, in my opinion, what unforgivable sort of thing Batman's done to who are supposed to be his friends. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why I love this movie. Uh, the first and foremost one is most likely just straight-up nostalgia because the whole voice cast is... It's all the voices from the the fucking the thing. The, the DC Animated Universe, that's what it is. And uh, it is Tim Daly is Superman. Kevin Conroy is Batman. Susan Eisenberg is Wonder Woman. Michael Rosenbaum is The Flash. Carl Lumley is The Martian Manhunter. And then, of course, what is, in my opinion, a perfect casting choice, Nathan Fillion plays Green Lantern, Hal Jordan. And, you know, just every character had their moments to shine... Like, they got to face off with their respective nemesis... Nemesis? Nemesis? Nemesis. Nemesis. Bad guys. They're bad guys. But, you know, every character got their moment to shine. Even Cyborg. Cyborg, who I've always, you know, been... I've always lukewarmly liked him. But in that movie, he was... He kicked... He tore some shit up, man. In Justice League Doom. And he was great. And it it was a really nice way to, like, sort of have him join the Justice League... Because, you know, in, in, like, in the comics now, they had him join. I'm just like, oh, I don't give a fuck about that. But in this, like, I'm really like, oh, great, he's in the Justice League now. <laughs> and, you know, just every... And, of course, Superman in it was perfect. Tim Daly is... I love Christopher Reeve, but I don't... I think Tim Daly, in terms of voice, has the perfect ideal voice for Superman. And the scene... There's a scene in Justice League Doom where Superman talks down a jumper on the top of the Daily... The, the Daily... The Daily Planet <laughs> building... And that's honestly one of the most emotionally resonating scenes for me that I've ever seen in my time. I, re- I remember watching it with him on, like, it was like a, a stream. Five in the morning. Five in the morning. It was, like, balls early in the morning, and this poor kid had to mute his mic because he was crying. Oh. And I didn't it's, realize... It's personal. It's personal. And we're going to stop right there, okay? This isn't embarrassing like the podcast. Because <laughs> it's Miller time. 
There we go. <laughs> it is once again Miller time. Yes. Justice League Doom is a fantastic movie. I will touch on that later. But uh, my number seven is um, one that people forget is a superhero movie. <laughs> That's uh, Blade. Because people... people your damn mind? Yes, I have lost my damn mind. Oh. <laughs> I picked Blade because um, Blade... Blade was the first R-rated movie I got to see when I was a kid. Long. And uh, I was surprised by the fact that it actually wasn't that bad. I mean, it was bloody as all hell, but that was that was fine. But, um, I mean, Blade as a character is just the coolest thing ever. To some people, he might be considered kind of a Mary Sue because he's half vampire, half human. He has all their strengths and none of their weaknesses except one. You know, which is he needs blood, but he gets by using this serum. And just, I mean, overall, it's got everything. It's got action. It has drama. It has horror. It has comedy. Because Wesley Snipes is fucking funny as hell. Oh, my God. Some motherfucker's always trying to ice skate uphill. <laughs> I can't handle him in that movie. Like, that shot, like there, I remember there's one, there's one scene in the very beginning when they're all like fighting or something, and he's just looking at this one guy, and the guy's looking at him, and he just he gives him like the silliest big black guy smile, and I can't help but die laughing. I know, just like, and everybody in that movie was funny. Wesley Snipes was great as Blade, being both badass and funny. Chris Christopherson, who before doing this, he was actually a country musician, but honestly, he's a great actor. You know, he, he plays the perfect grizzled old fart that's just like, I am too old for this bullshit. And if I is Blade another case of superhero movies with horrible sequels? Um, I thought Blade No, those sequels are amazing. <laughs> I thought Blade 2 was good. Blade Trinity was kind of lukewarm, mostly because I, they made the whole movie about Jessica Biel and... Uh, Ryan Reynolds. I cannot complain about that because that was that was at this current time. That's as close as we're ever going to get to him playing Deadpool. True, because that's what that's, that's true. Because honestly, in the comics, Hannibal Cain is the most deadpan motherfucker ever. They're like, nah, let's make him Deadpool. That's literally <laughs> the writer said that. I was like, I want this character to be Deadpool. That's, that was basically the plan. You know. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I mean, just oh, farted, well. and I had a lot of garlic at lunch. <laughs> Silent but deadly. <laughs> made fucking vampire Pomeranians? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting off of a track. The movie makes me laugh so fucking hard. That's okay, dude, that's okay. But, I mean, just, like I said, overall, it's a great movie. The bad guy, I thought the bad guy was kind of weird, though. Deacon, they made Deacon Frost, like, too much of a young punk that I just wanted to punch his face in. I swear to God. You ever seen the test shots of what, the original finale? That was fucked up. Where he's it just a, a blood tornado. Just that, all the time, just... Oh, that sounds like... I like this version better. I want to be a blood tornado. <laughs> just get turned into a giant zit and pops. Yep. <laughs> that, but yeah, that scene where Blade cuts him in half and he just like, lol, nope. <laughs> I know, holy shit. No mascara's yeah, running. That, that's, that's why it's my number seven pick. It's just a good movie. Okay, my number seven is, um, is Batman Begins. A little low, but, you know, just my taste. 
It is the seminal Batman origin picture. In my personal opinion, it, it gets down into the nitty-gritty of how Batman became Batman, quite possibly the best out of any any on-screen origin he's ever had, in my opinion. It's just – and it's visually uh, – because I'm a film major, so I visually movies are really cool. And the entire movie's got this kind of orangey – it looks like Halloween candy. Yeah, it's all yeah. orange and toxic looking, and that really that's really cool. In you know, since fear is a big part of the movie, and it's just got this toxic orange kind of thing, and that's really cool to me, you know, stylistically. Um, out of the uh, you know, that's you know, and when that movie came about, everyone was like Christian Bale, the American Psycho guy. He's not Batman. Fucking, he is in that movie. His Bruce Wayne is just, you feel for him so much. Especially in the scenes, you know, where he comes back to Gotham and he's like, I'm going to kill this guy. He's just, he's just so, I don't know, and, you know. Relatable. He, yeah, he's just a relatable motherfucker. <laughs> like, fuck is like air to me. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just, and like Mike, Mike said, Cillian Crane as the as as Scarecrow is just Cillian Murphy Crane Scarecrow. <laughs> there, yeah. Cillian Crane sounds like a Doctor Seuss character. Oh God, it does. Cillian Crane, Cillian Crane likes to play in the puddles in the rain. <laughs> Even when he's quote unquote normal, there's still just this kind of touched side to him. Like you can tell he's crazy. And like I said, his appearance in The Dark Knight and, no spoiler alert, but his appearance in Dark Knight Rises are both amazing. He's done it! He's in it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> he's amazing like, in it. He's one of the best parts of the movie. Oh, yeah. Because he's just, he's just, it's just, it's just, because he, he, he's crazy, he's scary, he's smart, but he's crazy, like, you know what? Smart. This is fucking fun. I'm scaring people. Boo! Ha! This is fucking fun. That, that would basically be you. <laughs> fun. We're going to give you a burlap sack and cut eye holes in it, and you can just run around <laughs> Texas scaring people. Um, I didn't like Rachel either. You know, Rachel! Especially in the, in the... I don't like her in the first movie either. Actress's portrayal of her... Because she's just not a good character. She just yeah, no. would not shut up in Batman Begins sometimes, though. Any Vale from Batman's past would have been better. Throw yeah. in Vicky Vale. I love Vicky Vale. But For the, God's sakes. But one of the best scenes in the movie is Rachel's being Rachel, and just some goon motherfucker just points at her, and it's the only time she shut up in the entire movie. So that man is the hero of Batman Begins, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Props to Arkham inmate number what the fuck for getting Rachel Dawes to shut up. And Liam Neeson as 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 Raish. I don't think she pronounces that Roz. Yeah, everyone pronounces it Roz, and I I always I always I thought I always thought it was Raish. It is in the animated series, I think, so they could avoid the ethnic component. Like, like uh, Talia even mentions that too. 
is just not like, oh, it's a common misconception that my father's name is actually pronounced Raish. It's not wrong, but that's okay. It's like, shit. It's the Arabic translation for the demon's head, and, and that's Seir Raz al Ghul. Yeah. I don't know, but it's, it's, it's just... I still don't understand how he thought that destroying Gotham would somehow be, like, a good thing to do. Like, he, he's got some really... Me- I, I didn't understand him. Like, that was... I didn't like... Well, it, 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 it's because his, his, plot, his plan is he thinks humanity is corrupt and needs to be wiped out, so... Destroying the city does that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty soundly. <laughs> so, Alright, uh, the watered-down version is better than his, you know, long-ass version. <laughs> Liam Nielsen's voice, while chilling, can just get silly sometimes. <laughs> just like, what if you devote yourself to an idea? It's like, what, what, do you have something in your throat? No one, in, no one in these movies knows how to talk right, do they? What was that? <laughs> what was that? I can't hear you. <laughs> Alright, I think we should... Move on. <laughs> it's Omni's turn for number six. Uh, number six, Batman Forever. It's appropriate considering that one Catwoman is already on the big screen that I'm going to touch on the Batwoman, or not the Batwoman, but the Catwoman that, uh, that I think returns? Omni, Omni, I'm going to stop you right there. Catwoman was in Batman Returns, not Batman Forever. Are you legit? Wait a second, hang on. Returns? Ret- Returns is the, uh, Forever is the one with um the Riddler. Oh, for- Forever is the shitty one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, actually. Robin, be- Batman and Robin is a super shitty one. Oh, okay. well, sorry. Batman Returns. Sorry, I get... See, because I was thinking Superman Returns, and I'm just like, well, they wouldn't name it again, would they? You know, they would. Right. <laughs> These movies are 15 years apart. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Don't. I've been caught in a faux pas. Leave me alone. <laughs> I got excited because I'm like, ooh, I wonder how she's going to justify liking Batman forever. <laughs> I can to the sad fact that that is. I can't, but I wonder if I should roll with it. Don't, no. don't roll with it. Don't roll with it. <laughs> okay, so sorry. Batman returns. I'm a dirt. But I really like Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. And the fact that they somehow managed to make Christopher Walken a complete and total douchey bad guy. I yeah. love <laughs> What is that supposed to do? Hypnotize me. <laughs> like, I think people forget, people forget the Penguin was in there because he was such, like, such a ridiculous character that everybody had a color scheme. And since it happened around Christmas, it was like black and white. And once again, it was a Tim Burton movie, which means everything was black and white and swirly and twisted. But but I still liked it. I didn't mind it at all. I'm not going to go on because I embarrassed myself enough in this section of the podcast. So it's my time. Why is Bruce Wayne dressed as Batman? <laughs> I don't understand. No, no, son, don't. <laughs> the best part of that movie is the actor playing his son doing a Chris Walken impression. Dad, I'll go. <laughs> Shit. Alright, okay, so my turn, I guess. Alright, my number six is another DC animated movie, and that would be All-Star Superman. Now, All-Star Superman is probably... No, I'm sorry, not probably. All-Star Superman is the single best comic book 
that has ever been written in history. Which is funny considering the other all-star title. Yes, it's like opposite ends of the spectrum, and that's ridiculous. But All-Star Superman is the way that it captures the most ridiculous aspects of Superman's Silver Age stuff. Stuff that if you hit it, you want to vomit blood because it's so bad. But to take it, and they put it in this story, and they make this character of Superman that is just so good and just and perfect, but at the same time still so relatable in terms of the way he feels about people, and in terms of the way he interacts with people. And it's just, it's just such a brilliantly written story. And I feel that in the animated movie, they translated it so effectively. Even if they cut out major parts, that's okay, though, because the All-Star Superman, by in its very nature, is a very episodic story with a somewhat overarching plotline of Superman has absorbed too much sunlight and he's slowly dying. But uh, for the most part, the single issues are single adventures. Like, uh, the parts that they cut out of the movie from the book where he gets trapped in Bizarro World for a whole issue. And it's just, that's just the issue. So they just basically took that issue and, and like, put it away and said, no. <laughs> and and I think, and that's okay. Like, you know, it, it wasn't essential to the overarching storyline. And while it was a wonderful part of the story, there, if there's one particular part of the story in the book where Superman goes to Bizarro World and he meets a character named Zimbaro, who's perfectly normal because he's a Bizarro version of Bizarro. <laughs> and it's just it's it's just it was excellently done the character of Superman is phenomenal in it and it's just it's an, it's an excellent thing in it and now it's over time there we go yes <laughs> I was waiting for my cue right. but uh Let's see, my number, my number six, once again, I'm going off the beaten path. I like the weird ones. Um, number six for me was Hellboy. Um, Hellboy, now, once again, it was one of those movies where I didn't, I actually didn't know it was a comic when it first came out. And then I found out later on it was a, it was a comic book, and it's, it was a brilliant comic book. I have, I actually have every Hellboy comic right now. <laughs> my name's Daryl. Daryl. <laughs> Name's Roger. By yeah, the way. yeah. Name's Roger. Hi, Roger. But um, um, Hellboy, Hellboy the movie is fantastic because it um, you know, it definitely Ron Perlman is brilliant in everything he does. Yeah. Especially Hellboy. I think he he shined the brightest in Hellboy because he just, you know, he captures that perfect the perfect essence of like this this creature that's you know. Uh, biologically speaking, age-wise, he's just barely out of being 20, so he's just having to start to deal with being an adult and, you know, having to deal with the fact that his, the dude that was considered his dad is dead and he has to, you know, and the fate of the world basically rests on his shoulders. And, you know, everybody else in the movie was fantastic. Abe is honestly the perfect foil to Hellboy. You know, because Hellboy is very brash, he's very abrasive. You know, um, Abe is very—he's very methodical and very cerebral. And then, of course, my favorite, favorite, favorite bit of character interaction in that entire movie is probably uh, Hellboy and Liz Sherman, the pyrokinetic. Who that—that that is a beautiful, beautiful relationship. It's just—it's tragic. It's complex and. 
it's it's one of those stories that just kind of it makes you hold your heart a little bit because it's like these two people who had nowhere to go they grew up together and now here they are they're both kind of falling in love with each other and they they're so confused by it that they're just like what is wrong with me interesting that they cast ron perlman as someone who's supposed to be very young yeah i know well it's because i think part of it is because like because of how Hellboy aged, he looked uh, 50, 60 years old. But um, chronologic, like like we said, biologically, he wasn't that old at all. Mm-hmm. No, so they, need, they needed somebody who could act youthful but still look, you know, that age. Yeah. You know, actually, that's funny. I, I, I love Hellboy, but... Hellboy 2, not only do I like it a lot better, but that would probably be number 11 on my list now that I think about it. Yeah. But for, I think the main reason is, for me, Hellboy 1 felt like it was it was about that just that agent guy, and I didn't really give a shit about him. Uh, no one gave a shit about him. <laughs> but yeah, like Hellboy 2 like sort of took him out of it. And also, Hellboy 1 kind of had the satanic overtones, and it was a little dark for me. Whereas yeah. Hellboy 2 was more about, like, ooh, like, trolls and elves and fairies. And, and it was, like, a cool fairy tale thing. And it just seemed like a much more dandy adventure. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I think that's I think that's why I liked, you know... It's one of those cases of us are... You know, we're two different people, so we have different tastes. Like, I like the darker stuff. I'm... It's like, uh, my girlfriend really loves Hellboy. And she also likes Hellboy 2. And I was telling her that I liked the first one. I've been more into ghosts and demons rather than elves and fairies. You know, but that's, that's just my thing. And that's, yeah. that's why it's number six for me. Let's see, okay. My, oh shit. Okay, my number six, um, is, is the crow touched on earlier with Omni, and uh, again, movies can get me visually. You know, that's that's the first key, because you see a movie with your eyes, you know. So visually, the movie is such a cool movie. It's just, you know, this slightly skewed version of of the world, and I like the, one of my, some of my favorite scenes, and another thing I like about the movie is it it does this thing, it looks like a movie. Because <laughs> it's filmed on stages and not on location. Oh. Seriously? Yeah. It's an old it's an old school type of movie. Most of the sets and shit were all stages and stuff. Yeah. Were all you know sound stages. So it's just it just I mean I you know it's not like oh there's the boom and there's the tubes no but it's something about it it looks. It's not like a window. I, I'm not too big on movies like, oh, it's a window. It's like it's happening right out. You can go and see this happen. I like movies that are slightly not that like when a movie gets too realistic for me, it, it's lost me. You know, I like them to be just a little bit of style to them, and that's what the crow, the crow has. It's it's presented as this is sort of the real, but then stylistically, it's just you know, it's just so interesting. You know, and. Uh, Brendan Lee, you know, fantastic. Did a fantastic job as the crow, um, you know. But he died in one of the, in one of the last couple weeks of filming because um, there was a thing, you know. You know, if you guys don't know the story, there's a scene where his character dies early on in the film. They filmed it late, 
because they were going to give they they filmed most of the like the crow stuff with you know leather and paint really early on, and then they did all of the stuff where he was just Eric. You know, near the end, so he could just have a couple days where he wasn't wearing thick white makeup and, you know, a couple pounds of leather. So, you know, they were filming that scene, the scene where his character dies, and there was a mishap with the prop gun, and, uh, and, it, and it killed him. And, you know, that is that it, that it will inevitably always be part of the legacy film, just like Dark Knight, you know, Heath Ledger's death there soon after will always be part of the legacy of the film. Um, and but it doesn't it doesn't hurt the film it doesn't and it doesn't make you love the film more I mean it's just because the movie's perfect perf, perfect perfection <laughs> the movie in my opinion is is some of the most is just some of the most perfect filmmaking and it's just and it's a depressing world don't worry no you don't want to it's one of those movies where you watch the crow and you don't want to live in that world nothing about the world the crow takes place in is a good place but you do enjoy watching stories from that world you know and it's and um and somehow it it manages to have it manages to you know some of um some of draven you know, some of uh, brandon's line when he's you know being eric draven are this this kind of very odd sense of humor. Like one of my favorite scenes, it's near the end with the final showdown. And you know, all the cops are pointing their guns at the crow. I'm like, if you move, we'll shoot you. And well, I keep calling him the crow. He's never referred to as the crow, but they're all pointing their guns at Eric, and Eric proceeds to dance off. <laughs> See now that that's something I didn't touch on when he goes uh you know, Stop me if you heard this one before. Stop me if you heard, you know, Jesus walks into a bar. Puts down a couple nails. Can you put me up for the night? Oh, God, that was... Yep. And then he looks through his hand like that, yeah. 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 Couldn't you hear me? I was rapping. God. Yep. And when he shoots, you know, he shoots, the, shoots at the guy with the... It's just fantastic movie and it just looks cool with you know this this constantly burning down city my number five is an animated film and it's pretty recent i think it's the most recent animated film that's been released by dc studios the superman versus the elite yes that's right in this i mean when i first saw preview of it i really didn't like the animation because i'm never a huge fan of just superheroes looking so different from other people, especially Superman, who's supposed to look the same, or at least somewhat the same. He's able to blend in by just putting on glasses. But he looked, like, drastically different. He was huge, and he had that big chin. But, you know, when I finally seen it in motion instead of just seeing screen caps, I really liked it. The voice acting was good. It was just enough corniness to make me laugh at some point. And it had the most terrifying Superman breakdown I've ever seen. Good lord. The villains were good. It was just an all-around good movie. It was solid for a cartoon movie. Um, though at the same time, the end was predictable, but at the same time, watching the end come up was terrifying. Superman loses his... just goes crazy bonkers. And it was so scary, because I knew he's not really crazy bonkers. But at the same time, he's crazy bonkers. <laughs> You know, in the here and now, it's terrifying. So it was a good movie. I really liked it. The voice acting was great. The 
the animation was great. It was all around good movie. So, so it holds a solid five. Also, crazy bonkers is now my new favorite word. Uh-huh. Passing it over to Mike. Oh. Where's my list? Oh, here we go. Oh, this is going to be a fun one. Okay. So, my number five is actually even more recent than Superman. My number five is even more recent than Superman vs. the Elite in the sense that I only saw it for the first time yesterday. And that movie is The Amazing Spider-Man, which is still in theaters. Now, there's a lot of reasons why, but I've honestly, I've had a hard time thinking of like a real, like, number one big reason why. Like, it's just something about it just felt really right to me. Like, it hit all the right notes for being like a superhero movie. Like, he was, was likable, he was strong, but at the same time, he had weakness. And he just, you wanted to root for him, you wanted him to win, the music set the stage, he had the, he had the costume, and one thing I'll say about Andrew Garfield was he knows exactly what he's doing with Spider-Man. Every time he did like a, like a Spider-Man move, he just, he did like the right pose with like the crazy legs that Spider-Man does. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know, I never even, like I was always lukewarm towards Spider-Man in the past, but this movie really just... really, really just stuck with me. And, I, like, the more I think about it, like, the more I just... the more I like it, and I want to go see it in theaters again. Right now. That's how much I just... Yeah. <laughs> and now... What, what is it? Now it's Miller time. Good, getting good, good, good. Yep, it is Miller time once more. Oh, we didn't say so, Miller time! It's yeah, Miller time! Yeah. Oh, we did. So my, so my number five is uh, actually the first animated movie on my list. And that is one we've touched on a little bit ago, but that is Justice League Doom. Um, I picked Justice League Doom, honestly, because like out of all the DC animated movies, it is probably my favorite. It's one that I can watch ten times and never get tired of it. Um, I'm typically... Like, I liked... Typically, I don't like when when they make a superhero movie and they make the style so overtly anime, but I thought it really worked this time, because it wasn't like... It wasn't like Batman Gotham Knight, where it looked like it was torn straight out of, like, Helsing or something. You know, it looked... It still retained that superhero movie look to it, and just... All the all the characters were expertly done. Of course, we had the entire original cast of of um, of Justice League Unlimited showing up to reprise their roles slightly. In this case, Michael Rosenbaum was voicing Barry Allen rather than Wally West. But what can you do? You know, Nathan Fillion is Nathan Fillion, which is just he's a vamp, he's a boss, and there's. That's all there is to it. I loved the fact that they included Cyborg. I loved the fact that they brought Cyborg into the Justice League the way they did. Because I feel like Cyborg Cyborg has had a leadership role for so long that um, I, f- I feel like it's overdue that he gets to join the big leagues. Because, you know, I mean, fuck's sake, the dude's like 30 years old and, he's still, and he was still tending to friggin' teenagers. And, uh, 
And then, of course, there's the bad guys. You know, Vandal Savage is possibly the creepiest dude I've ever seen. And um, pardon me for turning into a slight pig for just a moment, but I didn't know Cheetah could give me so many scared boners. Because Miller has a boner for every occasion. He's I am a resident scout. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, that, in a nutshell, that is why I like Justice League Doom, because it is, in my opinion, the perfect uh, animated superhero movie. Okay. My number five is X-Men First Class. For every reason, Omni had it on her list later on. It It's just... It's one of the best X-Men films, and in my opinion. And no matter what the studios try to say, this is a reboot of the franchise because it had it, it, it basically everything that they told you about Xavier and Magneto's past in X1, they said lol fuck it <laughs> for first class. Um again, visually, as I've mentioned before, I'm a visual guy. And it's a visually amazing movie. Just this stylistic James Bond looking 50s where all the guys were this and all the girls were that. Um, all the mutants were interesting in it. Um, the only the only character that, that at all kind of flexed me was um, Angel. I didn't find her interesting. And I know there's a lot of, a lot of hate on there for... January Jones is Emma. I feel like she didn't do the worst job. She did a very good job at a particular kind of Emma. I'm sure Emma fans wanted her to have a deeper cut, but you know she was only in the movie for so long, so she played the icy version of Emma. You know, um, all the casting was was great. It's got you know it's 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 the good balancing of drama and comedy and. It also has one of the best cameos I've ever seen by a character ever, and that is Logan's cameo in it. <laughs> I laughed for 30 minutes from three words. <laughs> Hi, I'm Charles Xavier. This is Eric Lynch. Go fuck yourself. Although I do have a complaint about first class. Hmm. There wasn't a there wasn't a little preview thing after it. I waited through the credits. I got nothing. Yeah. What do you mean? Usually in the Marvel movies, there's always like a little preview thing at the end. Well, yeah, that's the Marvel that's the Marvel Studios movies. X Men is the Marvel Studios. Yeah. Oh well, shit. X X Men is still a Fox thing. Interesting. But, anyway, on the om nom 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 <laughs> for number four. Okay, my number four is another animated movie, and yeah, I think it's the third in, in the list of the Justice League movies. This is the first one to come out, maybe. I think. Anyway, the Justice League Crisis on Tour. There you go. Um, and it is a great movie for me. Because I love dynamic one-on-one fights. Just seeing that sort of thing, just like good and evil fighting each other in such a drastic black and white way was just amazing. 
the storyline is good. If you don't know the story, it's basically there's good Lex Luthor in one plane of existence, and he's coming because he needs help. And the Lex Luthor, good Lex Luthor, is hilarious. We need more good Lex Luthor because him and his lack of pants is funny as all get out. Uh, we've got the crime syndicate in one corner, which has like the big hitters from the Justice League, minus Martian Manhunter's character. Uh, you know, Ultraman for Superman and Power Wing for Green Lantern, Johnny Quick for Flash, Owlman for Batman, and Superwoman for uh, Wonder Woman. Yes. And like the contrast between characters was amazing. The the art style I liked. There was there was a lot of homages to other movies like Superman and him drilling into the ground and just a whole bunch of really nice visual gags too. Like especially with the Flash. If I had one complaint, it would be that they completely took the normal voice cast for these characters and just said, "Well, fuck that." <laughs> just put it aside and said no because we had Gibbs voicing Superman one of the Baldwin brothers voicing uh voicing uh Batman and freaking James Woods voicing Owlman oh piece of candy yeah oh piece of candy I was just waiting for him to do that but I so that's that's one complaint I also have another complaint in that they the Justice League got his ass handed to it just one too many times. Like, the only character that was able to consistently hold her own against her body double was Wonder Woman and that dominatrix line that she gave for the Kinder Woman. Submit! Yes! Okay, we can do that. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so it was, it was a good story. It was good animation. I'd give it maybe, like, you know, a solid four. On, out of 10 on voice acting because I really like I could see it happening but it was just so weird that I just wasn't sure like if it was if it was a little bit longer I bet they could have a better fight because the final fight between the Justice League and the Crime Syndicate you blinked and you missed it it needed to be longer Superman needed to hold his own more Batman got the shit beat out of him consistently throughout the movie until the final five minutes it just needed to be good. On the plus side, and this is a bonus, Aquaman is one of the characters who shows up and opens up an Atlantean can of tuna bullpen. I was going to mention him. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's just like, that is to be seen! And then he just busts out some moves. Oh, uh, I really like, I love the movie, but it's not, it doesn't mean another Justice League He was actually... Aquaman was voiced by the kid who played him in 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 the CW show. Seriously? Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pass those for his number four. Mike. I know. Okay. Okay. Oh, my number four. You know, we've all been talking about stuff, and I'm going to... My number four is one of the big hitters now in the movie not just the superhero movie universe but in all movies and that is Marvel's The Avengers directed by Joss Whedon I 
like, you know, I'm thinking all the other ones. Oh, I have a well-thought-out response as to why I love this movie and different things. But this one's just like, oh, man, Captain America, and then the, and Iron Man, and then George, and he zaps his arm, and he gives him the power, and then, and then Captain America, the shield hits the hammer, goes boom, and he's throwing the Hulk fight on the helicarrier, and it's like he gets the hammer, and he's and the Hulk flies out, and Loki's like, and like he shoots Thor down in the thing, and then the Chitauri attack the city, and they fight, and that's my reason. Good reason, good reason, good reason, good reason. <laughs> Although, I will say, one of my single favorite moments in any superhero movie is the part when Thor and the Hulk are fighting in the helicarrier. And he grabs the hammer, and he just pivots, and decks the Hulk in the face with oh. the hammer in slow motion. That was, that floored me the first time I saw it. That was some Matrix shit, and it was fucking awesome. Now, was the Avengers in 3D? Yeah. So, it had, like, some really, like, I watched that thing where it's just, like, every 3D movie ever. It did have some stereotypical 3D parts. I will, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say, I saw it in 3D. Kinda sucked. Did you see it in regular, too? I saw it four times. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Oh. So, I mean, I haven't seen it yet. Should I see it? Yes, you should see it lots. lots Why haven't lots. you seen it? You should see it. Like you should see it. Out of you. you should see it so many times. You should see it yesterday. Okay, yes, okay. You need to I'll... time travel. <laughs> when it comes out on DVD or whatever, I'll watch it. That's like in September. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> you can and buy the big two hundred dollar deluxe case that looks like the the case they put the tesseract in. You know what else happens in September? What? Miller time. Oh yeah, it's Miller time. <laughs> so my number four, my number four, my number four. Let me hang on. Let me find my list here. God damn it! They get away from you. Yeah, I know this. This. List, I swear to God. Ah, here we are. So, I've been the best at keeping four. track of my list on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. That's yeah, the reason I'm the ringleader. <laughs> my, <laughs> my number four is actually Omni's number four. Uh, Justice League Crisis on Two Earths. Legitimately, are you serious? I shit you not. Oh, shit. <sighs> but, I mean, everything Omni said is pretty much everything I was going to say. I do, I will agree. I, they could have picked better voice actors. Like, because, okay, as much as I love Mark Harmon, he, his voice is just too old to be Superman. Like, I hear his voice coming out of Superman's mouth. I'm just like, why does Superman sound like he's 60 years old? Gonna smack you know, in the back of the head. head. Exactly. I'm waiting for him to give slap Batman. If it did happen, I'd probably like the movie a whole lot more. Yeah. I swear to yes, yes. <laughs> I swear to yes. Swear to me. Yes. And, but, of course, it has a lot more plus sides to it. My biggest plus side, this is, of course, just me fanboying for a moment. My favorite comic character is Deathstroke, Slade Wilson. Oh, that's and right. The fact, the fact that in Crisis on Two Earths, Slade Wilson is the president. That, to me, was... They had to change him up a lot because he's supposed to be the reverse Earth's uh, president, so he's good and he's not like he's not the badass that he is in the regular universe. But 
I did like the fact that they did put Slade Wilson in animated form somehow. I never understood why Rose was the ginger in the alternate universe. That I didn't understand either. I was kind of scratching my head there as to why Rose was a redhead. But Rose and the Martian Manhunter is probably the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like, that, that is a couple that cares so deeply for each other. It came out of left field, too. It was extremely out of left field. I'm watching that movie go, wait, 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 John, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? She's a crazy chick with one eye in your world, man. Don't, don't, oh. I know, and there was, a, of course, at the end of the movie, when he has to leave, Wonder Woman's just like, don't worry, I'll bet there's a version of her on, my, on our world. With my luck, she'll be evil. Somewhere in the regular Earth, Rose Wilson sneezed. Jesus. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, it's just—it's a good movie. It's a good movie overall. I—I I didn't like the way Johnny Quick looked. That was one. That was like the one thing that bothered me stylistic-wise was Johnny Quick looked retarded. But he sounded good. He sounded great, but they made... He looked like this bad cross between Freakazoid and Powerline from a Goofy movie. Oh, shit. Stand up above the crowd. <laughs> That's what he looked like, I swear to God. But, I mean, overall, it's a good, it's a good movie. I feel, like it, I feel like they should redo it and then like recast the voices with the voices that we know. And then maybe I think it would probably do a better job, but otherwise, I think it's a solid movie, and it's definitely one that I would sit there and watch again and again and again. Okay, we're in the top of morning radio show voice. Ow, sorry. <laughs> Hong Kong. <laughs> stop weenie in the butt. I don't know. No, 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 stop. All right, well, it's your turn, so let's go. My What's number, your number four? My number four. My number four is also animated. No, it ain't. Um, it's not one of the Justice League. It is um, Superman, Batman, Apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't even start, Missy. <laughs> yeah. I have watched the crap out of that. It's um. I just, I just like it. All right. <laughs> just like it. I don't, I, I can't explain it. I don't have this huge explanation. I don't. It, it, it's not that it's visually catching. It's not that the story is the best thing. I just like it. It's, I like its opening. I like the casting. I like Dark Side being Dark Side and Batman saves the day. Big Barda is a bamf. Oh my god, I was just about to say, the Big Barda-Wonder Woman fight? Good Jesus. lord. <laughs> crazy, crazy lady, creeper lady. Oh, Mad ha- Mad Harriet. Yes. yes. And then we have Paula Dean who's decided to lend her face. I didn't know hardly anything about Granny Goodness before I watched it, and then I watched it, and I'm just all like, ah! I just imagine him screaming, y'all want some butter! <laughs> Granny Freaking goodness. Granny goodness is no. always creepy. But I did, see, that's another instance where I just, I didn't like the fact that Clark looked so different from the rest of the world. What? Those cheekbones were insane! Bruce looked the same. 
I know, but I mean, if we're, gonna, if we're gonna talk yeah. about just in 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 Superman Doomsday, his his cheeks. Don't don't don't. No, no, we're not. Nobody's got that on their list. No, nope. <laughs> no one. But his cheeks were redonking that. And his little black tiger eyes. <laughs> just ridiculous. I, just, I love yeah. I love the movie, but I hate the character design. But of course, I mean, you just know that. Darkseid was smanging some Supergirl. That was disturbing. When she comes around and she's all like, mama, oh, you know, I didn't like that. I'm just sitting there, I'm just like, no, no, no. Don't, don't touch her, Clark, go. <laughs> don't touch her, you'll get herpes. That is some, that's some herpes that's gonna stay with you. Space herpes. That's exactly, you guys are hurting me right now with <laughs> No, but I love the movie. Every single hour. I know you. I know you do. And honestly, I like it too. But I did make my list because I thought Darkseid's voice actor was absolute. You know who'd be a good Darkseid voice actor? Hmm. Crap. James Earl Jones. Fuck. That would just be like, oh look, it's Darth Vader again, yeah. or Darth Michael Vader. Clark, or Michael Clark Duncan. But that's because I want Michael Clark Duncan in everything. The fight, the fight on the farm though was awesome. I'll give you that. The fights were good. Also, just so out of nowhere, like that's the best part about the final fight in that movie. Just like, oh, the movie's ending. Wow, it's got a really long ending. I mean, there's still a lot of time left. And what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's a solid ending. Okay, Omni. Number three. Number three. Number three is Justice League Doom. We've already touched on Justice League Doom, so I'm going to try to touch on things that weren't touched on and stay away from things that need to be stay away from in that movie. But Batman, see, you said it was it looked kind of anime. I didn't see anime in it except at one point, and that was when Superman came in and he had those big blue eyes. <laughs> but that that fight scene see we finally had a Superman movie that Superman was badass in. Like he he kept licking and he kept on kicking, you know, that was that was the whole thing. Ace was taller than he was, probably a lot heavier, and Superman just just ain't no thing, you know, just psh, done. Loved that movie. Um Okay, um, do you of the way Batman, because there is that overarching theme, it's just like, Batman, what you doing? You done goofed. Like, that was just the entirety of the movie. And I kept thinking, how is he feeling right now? What was his motive? And I think it's because he is always consistently terrified that some someone somewhere is going to be taken away from him. So he doesn't want things to be taken away anymore. He maybe wants to do the taking. I don't know. It, it's hard to explain just as I'm him and I'm watching just the subtleness of his features and stuff. Um, Bane was good. Star Sapphire I liked. Uh, Malifa Ak was creepy. Why exactly are you, you know, trying to hit on your brother as a blonde? Yeah. <laughs> Get home. Don't. No. Uh, the way Batman thought of getting rid of Green Lantern was weird. It's just like, we've got Superman. Poor Superman fell off of a building. Uh, 
Wonder Woman is getting ready to have like a seizure. Flash can't stop running, and then we've got uh, poor freaking Martian Manhunter's on fire underwater. That's not possible. That's no fire goes out with water. <laughs> not if you're constantly excreting magnesium. Yes. Yeah. Excreting is not a pleasant word. And then. <laughs> How, how how do we defeat the Green Lantern? Not not with a lot of yellow. We can't do that. No no. Let's make him cry. Let's like, break that's, that's... his ever loving spirit. What the fuck then, is wrong with you, Bruce? And then with getting stuck in his parents' tomb was just like <gasps> no. Okay. That was the icing on the goddamn cake. And then he like had that moment, like he like he wanted to cry in the like there's. <laughs> There's just a little boy that's still in the alley that's just like, I am going to burst into tears because daddy, no. But at the same time, he's just like, I'm going to get out of here and kick some ass. I like the animation style. I like the voice acting. I thought, this is my first instance of being introduced with Vandal Savage. So it was, that guy, good lord. <laughs> you guys, I don't know. It was just a, just an all-around good movie, and it was a great movie, and it's got a lot of good memories. Um, if I had a complaint about Justice League Doom, though, let me think. Because I've been giving pros and cons, and I think a con of the Justice League Doom movie is the fact that I like didn't like the ending. Like, I, I know a lot of people are just like, oh, he gave him the kryptonite ring, which means Superman still trusts him, and da-da-da-da. It's like... <laughs> Can they not, see, it kind of like, for me, it kind of justified a little bit what Batman was, was trying to say. It's just like, I am the only normal guy here. I mean, it's nice to have protection. It's all about protection. And then when they're just all like, oh, you'd really think we'd ever do that? Uh, yeah. No one's perfect. Even, especially not me. And it's like, they're, they still just like, no, I say, you know, fuck him. I, I kind of wanted to know what the vote was. That's the point. I wanted to see how many of them said stay and how many of them said go. And the fact that they kind of made it up to be like a mock trial, it's just all like, okay, this is just awkward. It's like a high school thing. It's just a high school thing to do. It's just like, all right, I said we vote if we keep them or not. All right, you can get out of your poser. Oh, well. I like the movie, but I have some complaints, and they're just purely because I'm a Batman fan, so ignore me. <laughs> off to Mike. Alright, what number are we on now? I forgot. Three. Three, okay. Okay. Number three is another movie that's been talked about, but not actually for a while. My number three is the most recent DC animated movie, Superman vs. The Elite. Oh. And for me, this is not only my favorite superhero anime movie or DC anime movie, it is my single favorite animated movie out of any animated movie. Because, in my opinion, it perfectly encompasses the idea of that, what, of what Superman is all about. Like, he's not just this big, strong guy that punches bad guys. He's about setting an example and showing people just how good they can be and how easy it is to show that good. And, of course, the irony of Superman vs. Elite does not escape me in the fact that it's classic Superman, and they're talking about, oh, he's classic, you know, Superman doesn't need to change, the world needs Superman, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But that's exactly what DC did, and it was terrible. And if it was the worst thing, I'm just saying that right now. But yeah, Superman vs. the Elite is just the voice acting great, the plot's great. I, I love visuals. I think Superman looks great and fantastic. He's supposed to be a big guy. Like, 
Like, he's not like your little... But, no, yeah, the visuals are great, the plot's great, the voice acting's great. And I had read the comic it was based on, and him going crazy still worried me. I knew exactly how it was going to play out, and I still got, like, suspenseful watching it. Like, that's how you know that you sold something really well. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> what I meant by look differently was, like, nobody has that quite big a chin. No one, I didn't see any other, we saw we saw a lot of different metropolites. Metropolitans? Metropolitans. Metropolitans. Is that what they're called? Sure. We saw a lot of metropolitans. Sure. And none of, and none of them was that big. Like, he was, like, really broad-shouldered and barrel-chested, and he had a big head. And it was just all like, ah, you know, these people are so blind. But I guess that could, the more I think about it, he does look a little bit like Jonathan. Like, Jonathan was just a little bit shorter, but he had the big chest. He had the, kind of like the big chin. So maybe they could just say, oh, yeah, he's from Kansas. They grow him big out, out west. <laughs> so, maybe, yeah. so maybe the more I think about it, maybe you're right. But just the first, the first screenshots of him, I just didn't like him at all. But the movie is good. I'll give you that. So it is, it's, mil- is it Miller time. Miller time. It is Miller time. <laughs> so my number three is, uh, we touched on this, I think once. No, twice. Yeah, we touched on it twice, but I will touch on it again because I think it's a fucking awesome movie. And that is uh, X-Men First Class. Yeah. Uh, X-Men, First, X-Men First Class, I, I feel like it was definitely a breath of fresh air after the giant just crap fest that was X-Men 3. And then the crappy fest that was X-Men Origins Wolverine. Oh, God. Oh, God. Don't get me started on that movie. But anyway, let's talk about the good movie. Just X-Men First Class, I, I came into it hearing a lot about it and not knowing what to expect. And, and I, was, I was just floored. I was totally floored. Eric was... Spot on. That is how I feel like Mag- a young Magneto should be. Um, I I loved the fact that Charles, when he was younger, is so drastically different from how he is now. You know, the fact that he is he's he's kind of a flirt and he's he, he likes to play around and and you know just things like that. You know, it, it made it made for like good character development. Like, could tell something made him get more somber and more serious. Um, and the fact that he used he used all his genetic mutation geek speak to hit on chicks is just fucking awesome. That's such a groovy mutation, babe. It's it. groovy. Oh. You like that? This is where I differ from all you guys. Is and I I actually I can't watch that movie. <laughs> like it's just so wrong. Like the way that it just takes the comic worse, I think, than what X Men Origins Wolverine did. Because all X Men Origins Wolverine did was mess with one character really badly. Yeah. But this is just like, oh, backstory between probably the two most important characters in the X Men levels. What's that? And then of course there's Alex Summers apparently got caught in the time paradox of some <laughs> kind, seeing as he's Scott Summers' younger brother. Yeah, he's his younger brother. That's that's one thing that kind of tripped me up was the fact that 
for some reason Havoc is in there first. But then again, I guess it's sort of it's sort of their way of introducing other characters besides the one that everybody knows like everything about. Because yeah, I mean we had a very dead person. They could, I think they they could have done a just they could have picked someone else. And also the fact that it doesn't even there's even continuity problems with the the what's it called with the other movies. There's continuity problems between all all, all X Men movies and themselves. I found when rewatching them, the X Men yeah. franchises get confused on what the fuck they said in the movies before them. It's it's a constant thing that I that I've discovered. No, like, I, I kind of want to hear what what you thought about Darwin because my, when my boyfriend watched the movie and he's a, he's an X Men fan, when he saw Darwin, he flipped shit. And then what happened to Darwin? He flipped more shit. Yeah, that's bullshit. Darwin would have survived that. I I flipped a thousand tables when I saw Darwin, and I flipped a million tables when Darwin died because Darwin is Darwin is an often overlooked character who I feel like deserves way more attention because he has, in what is in my opinion, the coolest mutation ever. Adapt to survive. He can adapt to anything. He can learn any language. His body can 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 mold itself to be anything in order to survive extreme heat, extreme cold, getting shot at. He adapted himself to become a godlike being in the comics in order to survive. That is how good his mutation is. So the fact that Sebastian Shaw killed him by making him swallow Havoc's hula hoop of death is <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, no, yeah, it's that... Like I don't know that that the, the the whole movie the whole movie I'm just I'm kind of cringing and then the whole thing with like Mystique and Professor X that's not a thing uh, right that that shouldn't be a thing that was weird like yeah I don't know just the, the movie makes me cringe in that in that sense but uh but for for someone who's not into comics it's really really good movie it's a really damn good movie I will say I think in my opinion. And it's it's a weird that I would pick this choice, but in my opinion, ultimate bad guy award for X Men First Class would probably have to go to Azazel. Yes, I just thought Azazel was, pardon the pun, a bamf. Ha 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 ha. When he comes, he has he had a lot of little tiny visual gags that you don't always get, and then when he shows up with the with the hat on, that is my favorite part of that. Like bar none. Azazel with the hat. <laughs> yeah, and just just like I said, overall it's a good movie. I will agree with TC. I think Angel is possibly the most uh, the most useless character ever. If they if they had to go with, you know, in, my, in my opinion, I feel like they should have gone with. Uh, uh, I feel like they should have gone with um, with uh, Warren Worthington Angel instead of Angel Salvatore. But that's just me. I mean, yeah, but he was in X Men Three, which was a great movie. What? <laughs> he wasn't in that movie. There was a guy with wings who jumped out of a window, but he had no <laughs> characterization or point. <laughs> but yeah, that's I liked. I liked that movie. That's why it's number three for me. DC, it's your turn for number two. Ooh, ooh. No, it's my number three, isn't it? <laughs> Number three, yeah. Okay, cool. It's the Avengers. Avengers is my number three. For all those reasons Mike said. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. 
Because it's boom, and then the bang, and the helic, and then green, and then smash, and then always angry, and then, and then... Beauty God! And then Hulk. Hulk oriented. <laughs> it's really not that Hulk oriented. My reasons are a lot, a lot, a lot of, a lot of Hawkeye oriented. Fuck yes. Because just that scene where he's where he's just like something, something, something. Iron Man shoots without looking. <laughs> they can't bank worth the shit. Push. Funk. <laughs> um, I think Joss being in charge of it was the perfect thing for a movie with so many characters cuz cuz it's it's a movie it's a it's a movie with a lot of action but then a lot of talking but the action never feels rushed and the talking never feels boring exactly and of course in classic Joss Whedon style somebody we love dies yep bunch of flying monkeys i got that one i understood that reference <laughs> oh steve and of course yes all the feels Alright. We can't explain it in complete sentences. Just Fava, why you got and then he went bah, cards. <laughs> um with that I think it's Omni's turn. Lord. Yeah, so is this our, it's our number two? Our number two for, okay, when we were making these lists, before we started recording, most of mine were ties because I'm just so freak. But for, for sake of ease, since no one else was doing ties, I'm going to have to say that my number two is the original Superman movie with Christopher Reeve. I watched it like all of like maybe three weeks ago, if that, and I love it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I hadn't thought much about Christopher Reeve as an act as an actor. He just never really crossed over for whatever reason into, you know, besides seeing him in the news and hearing all of this stuff about him before I died. But you know, seeing him act and seeing him in his you know full unadulterated, it was just amazing. Superman is a very good example of a comic book movie because it was a movie that came out before all the bells and whistles and, and all of the like uh, CGI and all that stuff. It's because it's just it's got just enough corny to be wonderful. It, I mean, it's got enough humor. It's got enough sad. It's got enough. If I had one complaint, my complaint would be. We needed more adult Superman. But I guess we got more adult Superman in the in the next movies because again I'm not gonna give away the fun fact. That's Mike's fun fact. But I just I wanted to see more Christopher Reeve Superman. Uh if I were to pick a favorite scene. My favorite scene is where he he ends up underground in Lex Luthor's little place and Lex Luthor tricks him into basically opening up his own box of death and there's the rock with the, with the kryptonite on it, puts the rock around his neck, throws him into a swimming pool, and says bye, and then just leaves him to kind of drown. But he never actually drowns. He's still able to come up for air, so he's just kind of like, oh, so soggy, wet. And then I can't remember her name. It's like Mossbrucker or something? Tessmacher. What, what's it, Mike? I don't... I don't. Tessmacher. 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 With an M. Tessmacher. She is like peeking around corners and shit, looking at him, and he's just like, you gotta help me, I gotta... 
and she's just like, no, you, you gotta promise to save my mother first. But Jimmy and, and Lois, like he, he, he sees someone who can help him, and instead of, and he follows through. That's the whole thing. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, once he's out, he's gonna go and, and save the world. He saves, he saves Hack and Sack first. He keeps his promise, even though I think in the back of his mind he always realized, you know, it, these are my friends, but at the same time, he never... Ah, I just love it. It is a great movie. It was tied with my number one, but for sake of ease, I made it number two. But it is just... Yeah, it's a great movie. A little bit corny in the beginning. I had to fight through some of the corn in his teen years, but I got through it. It was good. Everybody's a little bit corny in their teen years, though, even Superman. All right. That means it's my turn, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yep. That's the thing. All right, my turn. Here's my turn. My turn, number two. <laughs> my number two is the sequel to the movie I'm going to just talk about, Superman 2. And I am including both versions of the film because there are, in fact, two different versions of the film. Really? Yes, there's, there is the original. There is the original version of the film. Because the story is they actually filmed both films at the same time. That's the, that's the fun fact. That, that's most of the fun fact. There's a, I'm going to get to the rest of the fun fact when I actually talk about my number one. But they filmed both at the same time, and it was far too ambitious an undertaking, and it just wasn't going to happen. So they finished up the first movie, and a good portion of the second movie, a little bit of the second movie, and they booted the director, Richard Donner, and brought in Richard Lester. And Richard Lester finished up the original version of Superman 2. But then, like, just a couple of years back, they released another one called Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut how the movie was originally intended to be released had Richard Donner had his way, and it was his vision of the movie. Now, both of these movies, in my opinion, are equally fun and good in their own ways. The Richard Donner cut, the newer one, the way it was originally supposed to be, is much more like its predecessor. It's, it has, has a good plot, it's serious, the effects are good for the time, and it's just it's fantastic, and it's great. And I, I'll watch it a million times. The original one, the original version that was released, is one of the silliest movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> they give Superman and the other Kryptonians, the evil Kryptonians, the most ridiculously silly powers that they can think of. Like, laser finger beams is one thing. Like, you guys see The Incredibles? Yeah. Remember, remember Syndrome's finger beams? He can do that in that movie. What? Yeah, he just, like, picks people up. Like, that happens. And then, of course, this, uh, this the most wonderful attack in any superhero film. Oh, no. Superman takes the cellophane S, tosses it at his adversary. And then they can, all, they can also teleport and apparently project illusions of themselves. That's another what? thing. What? Yeah. Yep. Oh my god. And this was done in like the 70s? Yeah, like tail end of the 70s, beginning of the 80s. But it's a great movie. Oh, and of course, the very famous memory erasing kiss that Clark gives Lois. <laughs> no, it, it's, very, it's very silly. It's very indicative of the, the mindset of comic books at the time. But it's executed well, and it's a ton of fun to watch. And that's why both Superman 2s are my number two. Hmm. It's now. It's Millie time. <laughs> it is indeed Millie time once more. So my number two, my number two is actually, um, 
It was actually far back on some people's lists, but I listed it as number two, honestly, because I couldn't make up my damn mind. Um, so my number two is uh, The Dark Knight. Um, I, now, I've, I've often had a lot of criticism. I've often had a lot of criticism regarding The Dark Knight, mostly because they made it so central to Harvey Dent and the Joker that I... It just—it felt like it was a movie more about villains than 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 Batman. Batman just kind of was there. But other than that, I mean, it was it was a really good it was a really damn good movie. I mean, despite the fact that it, it did feel more like a crime drama, you know, than a than a superhero movie. It it definitely had that Law and Order kind of vibe. But I mean, for for what Chris Dolan does, it. I feel like it, it, it was fitting. It was fitting. It was definitely very fitting. Um, the Joker genuinely terrified me. You know, I think the only I think the only other two portrayals of the Joker that can really creep me the hell out are Mark Hamill and John DiMaggio from Under the Red Hood. Um, Harvey Dent. It's uh, it's weird. Like this movie actually made me kind of like Harvey Dent, even though I've never been interested in Two Face as a villain at all. Um, and of course, everyone everyone always says that The Dark Knight has political undertones because of Harvey Dent's whole war on organized crime and the that one bat gadget where it's basically sonar via a billion tap cell phones. You know, but. In all, in all honesty, I didn't think of, of that so much as political undertones as a fucking cool gadget. Because the fact the fact that he has sonar through sound through the sound waves projected by every cell phone in Gotham City, which makes me wonder: is everyone on like Wayne Cellular or whatever? <laughs> Just smart, smart talk, your Wayne Tech. Yes. Right. That's seriously what it feels like, but I mean, just overall, I felt like it was really good. Um, you know, they purchased, they, it was, it was very, there was lots of blues and lots of grays and lots of, you know, lots of those kinds of colors, color wise. And they definitely, they showed Gotham City in a much more realistic way than they did in Batman Begins, mm -hmm. which I thought was, which I thought was interesting. But at the same time, I actually kind of liked how it looked in Batman Begins because it looked more like Gotham City. But I mean, Complaints aside, it was a solid cast. It was a fantastic movie with plenty of kick-ass, plenty of drama, you know, plenty of crazy people being crazy people. And just, it kept me on the edge of my seat for about two, two and a half hours. I liked it. Okay. Now, my number two is another animated. It's not... It's not and it, 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 it is it's it, it's under the red hood it is under the red hood that hand that hands down is something that i will always put on when there's nothing else to put on and that's that's a lot for me to earn that spot in my movie collection to something that i put on just to put it on you know if if i don't have to think about a movie to put it on it's it's a good, it's an it's a good thing to me and what's interesting about Under the Red Hood is it 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 is so it is phenomenally better than the source material for 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 one reason one reason only and that is Jason Todd coming back to life 
explained in a way which is 10,000-fold better than the Superboy Punch. Superboy Punch is the worst contrivance that has ever happened to comics. That's not true. <laughs> okay, the New 52 is the worst contrivance that's ever happened to comics. There you go. Then the Superboy Super Punch. Yes, yeah, Superboy Prime Punching Reality is number two. Yeah. I, I still like Superboy Prime. Superboy Prime as a character is very interesting, but the Superboy Punch just pisses me off. It's just like, <laughs> it's just such, well, we want to do this, this, and this. Well, that doesn't make sense. He punches reality. You know, but then again, the reality punch does bring a little more tragedy to Jason and in, in, in that he was ripped out of paradise. But then this version has a very different tragedy to Jason. You know, it's just... You know, and it, it it's it's a mystery. It's a really cool mystery, though. I think I don't know what it is, but the mysteries. I mean, maybe it's because I'm a comic. I'm a comic fan. I know what happens to Jason. That the mystery's blown. But I feel like there's all these flashbacks, and they're trying to they're trying to be like, well, who's the Red Hood? Well, why are you showing us flashbacks to how Jason Todd died? He's probably the Red Hood. <laughs> you know, but it's just. John DiMaggio's Joker is the second best animated Joker ever, albeit the third and the the other two animated Jokers that are Batman Brave and the Bold Joker and the Batman Joker are just the Batman Joker specifically is just a, a death for the bat. Yeah, you're, talk, you're talking about Mark Hamill, right? No. no, he's talking about reggae, dreadlock. Yeah, that's the worst oh, Joker I've ever seen, where he does monkey kung fu. But John DiMaggio's Joker was so unnerving. He was he was very different from Ledger's Joker. And he played, or not Ledger's, but Hamill's Joker. He was different from Ledger's Joker, too. But he's very different from Hamill's Joker, where J- DiMaggio's Joker was just a little more unnerving to me. Just... And he, and, but he was so much. He, he had so much fun with it, you know. And you know, Black Mask is one of the most hilarious sort of side villain. What even? What even would you call Black Mask uh, in that a movie? Good, a good frame story that works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, 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 you know, great, 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 great. Neil Patrick Harris is the perfect Nightwing. I'm sad I didn't include that on my list. Yeah. Bruce Green- Bruce Greenwood is the second best animated Bruce. But he's the best for um what they what they were doing with Bruce. He's much better for this kind of broken Bruce, I think. Just all the voices were great. It was just, you know, you know, and just it was just and I love how much it improved on the source material, and and especially because Judd Winnick was directly involved, he wrote the script, and he, and you know, Amazo up at the beginning was kind of out there. I liked it though because it you know it kind of showed that okay, this world you know if you go past these islands, crazy shit's happening on all over the place, which is sometimes in Batman. In it, you know, in, especially in the big budget it, for DC, they just focus. Okay, this is the only sh- that's happening that's crazy. But with the inclusion of Amazo, 
it kind of it was kind of more oh there's more shit than just a guy who dresses up as a bat so it kind of it kind of hinted at this complete DC universe for this particular world um and the ending is just so amazing just where you know I just love it I really do you know really do and it's so amazing that this animated movie has replaced canon in a lot of fans mind for how Jason Todd is alive you know, if you trying ask, to get the fans to replace canon is like trying to get good lord. Mm-hmm. Okay, so before we go around the table, this is our final round. This is our number ones. Mine was better. Mm-hmm. What was yours? I didn't recognize yours. I made mine up. Oh. <laughs> mine was jazz. <laughs> Miller. No, it's your turn for number one. Hello, I know, but you you need to do a theme song. Oh, okay. I, did, I, did, I did it for him. Um, All it's right, your turn. Fine. Yeah. Party pooper. Okay. My number one. As I said, I am a huge Batman fan. So it is the Batman Michael Keaton version. Directed by... It was directed by Tim Burton, wasn't it? Tim Burton yeah. had his... Yeah, had his dick smeared all over this one. <laughs> it was just... And... It was my first superhero movie. Like, and it, it kind of colored my taste for all of the other superhero movies. Um, because it was in that the style of my favorite movie at the time when I was a child was The Nightmare Before Christmas. I could see the spires. And I could see, like, just the the dark grittiness of Gotham. You could, like, feel it. You could taste it. Watching the movie, you realize that this city is just going downhill fast. And then you've got this one guy who is trying to, to save the day. Not as it, it doesn't feature a very serious Batman. It features a Batman who is kind of, like Bruce Wayne isn't as broody as he is in perhaps every single other friggin' movie. Um, but it, it also introduced us to some kind of like a. To, to types to follow in Batman movies. You need to have a big villain in a Batman movie, always. And the big villain in this Batman movie was, of course, Joker. Jack Nicholson is the Joker. I have, I cannot tell you how many times I've battled internally with myself as to who was the better on-screen Joker, Heath Ledger or Jack Nicholson. The thing is that they just don't compare because they're two completely different takes on an ambiguous character. Uh, so we've got Jack Nicholson's Joker, who it kind of focuses on his backstory a little bit. We get a lot in on the Joker. He falls into a vat, and he's, you know, just completely batshit insane. And the the whole thing with the cosmetics and just making people, like, they, you, they die with this, like, grotesque smile on their face, and it kind of, like, plays into... The, I don't want anything bad to happen to my body. Everybody, I think, is secretly obsessed with leaving a good-looking corpse. And to to be violated in that way with your face, it's like, oh, oh. I, looking at it, looking back at it and watching it as an adult and not as a child who's just, you know, staying up late at night to watch a Batman movie on TNT, I realized that it is, kind of corny and it doesn't follow everything that I now love about Batman but because it was the original Batman movie that I saw because it introduced me to Bruce Wayne as 
I know him and I knew him and the first instance of the Joker and the first instance of the idea that Bruce Wayne can never have a functioning romance, that kind of thing. I loved it. So that's why it makes my number one. It's just an all around good superhero movie. And it, and it plays into the Batman that I, I had known in my short existence before I watched it. Word. <laughs> Mike. All right. Mike, time for yours, which so, I'm sure will be a total shock to everyone. Yes, my <laughs> favorite superhero movie. My number one, I fought long and hard for this, and I finally decided on Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, my, my choice was, of course, being a Superman fan that I am. The original Superman the movie by Richard Donner, released in 1978. And my reason is, plain and simple, that it is a perfect movie. There is no thing wrong with it. There are no flaws. Literally not a single thing is done wrong. It is all perfect. And now I'm going to talk about the ending. Superman flies around the world, turning back time and saving Lois. Now, people say that's bullshit, and I'm inclined to agree with them. However, that's not how the movie is supposed to end. That's how Superman 2 is supposed to end, and that's how Superman 2 the Richard Donner cut ends. But because they weren't able to finish filming, and they ran out of money, and they fired Richard Donner, they used that ending for Superman 1. Because they weren't able to get the other ending. What was the other ending? I don't know. <laughs> we will never know. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm also going to go on record as saying, I love that ending. I think it's great. I mean, you, people are complaining, oh, that's not how it works. Yeah, being able to fly and lift up helicopters and shoot lasers out of your eyes, that's not how it works either. So, you can suspend your disbelief just a little bit more, I think. Fair point, fair point. And yeah, now for the for, for the last time of the evening. Can we all say it together? Yes. Can we all say no. it together? Yes. Oh, come no. on. Yes, come on. Together, I'm not. Mike, you started. That's really lame. <laughs> <laughs> it's another time. It's another time. It's another time. For the last time. Until the next time. Till the next time. That's right. Because I will be back. <laughs> My number one is, um, uh, once again, it's kind of a testament to sort of my, you know, the kind of superheroes that I grew up with. My number one is Batman Begins from 2005. Um, I actually really had to fight my, with myself because I was... For number one super superhero movie, it was honestly between the 1989 Batman and Batman Begins. Um, I think the reason I picked Batman Begins was it, it honestly, it made me fall in love with Batman over again. Because, um, you know, I was a kid when Batman Forever and Batman, uh, and Batman and Robin came out and those movies, like, they're fun to watch when you're a kid. But then as I got older and when they started hinting at Batman Begins, I noticed everyone was kind of rolling their eyes and going, oh, my God, we're doing another goddamn Batman movie. Because, 
Bat- Batman Begins, it brought back, it, it, it dusted off Batman's reputation on the big screen. Because, let's be honest, Batman and Robin fucking ruined it. Oh my god. It almost derailed superheroes. Seriously. Yeah, like... Joel Schumacher. Fuck you, Joel Schumacher. Yes, indeedy. I mean, just... But the fact that it, it brought it back to the forefront and it made it, you know, it, and uh, instead of being this ridiculous, campy bullshit, we got a genuine, serious Batman movie with with its own spin on things. It didn't totally follow comic canon. It didn't totally follow, like, the animated series or anything like that. It had its own canon, which I felt was just brilliant. I liked the idea of, you know, Bruce Wayne disappeared for a while. Everyone thought he was dead, and then he comes back and just like, I'm, you know, and is like, in all honesty, about ten times more messed up than he was when he left. You know, in this case, he just knows how to kick people's asses. <laughs> and I like the fact that they introduced, they made Alfred a much stronger character. They made Alfred more of a father figure, which Alfred always has been. Um, they introduced Lucius Fox. Lucius Fox, which, who of course was played by God. <laughs> Miller, do it. Miller, do it. Do it. Do it. Bruce, Bruce, I told you a thousand times. You ain't got to do that voice with me. Goddamn, Lucius! I told you. I got the mask on, Batman. You got a Lucius character. <laughs> Shit. Oh God! Hearing Morgan Freeman tell Bruce Wayne about all the gadgets that he has made. Is fucking awesome, and just there's there's the right amount of humor in the movie, which is amazing. Especially the moments when when Lucius and Bruce are talking are talking shop, and Lucius is just like, "Oh, I got something you like." What did you need this for again, Bruce? (laughs) (laughs) And just I liked I liked the fact that we saw we saw an evolution of both Bruce Wayne, how the Batcave was set up. Um, we got to see him. He he actually he changed his methods a little bit as he went on. Um, you know I feel like I feel like it was definitely a true to life Batman movie because it had classic moments like he interrogated the uh, you know him interrogating the police witness by dangling him over the side of the building by his ankle. That is a classic Batman moment. You know and. The fact that he called it, that he he had that supersonic signal that called in all the bats to, to fuck with the SWAT guys in Arkham. The fact that they had Arkham, period. Because we didn't see that again. And just, you know, it's like TC said, visually it's stunning. I think Liam Neeson did a fantastic job as Raz al Ghul. You know, he definitely, he definitely touched upon Raz's, uh, Raz's ideal ideals of you know just being a radical eco-terrorist who feels like the human race just needs to rot you know i thought cillian murphy was the perfect scarecrow because people people often overdo scarecrow they often they often overdo him as just like you know this 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 wimpy little wispy guy that's obsessed with you know people's fears and but i i i watched cillian murphy as the scarecrow and it's definitely you know, I definitely get that feeling that I would be genuinely creeped out if this dude were standing next to me in an elevator. <laughs> Do you want to see my mask? No! 
<laughs> put that shit away. Can we keep it in the box? Can we keep it in the box? <laughs> but just overall, it is it is without a doubt a perfect superhero movie in my humble opinion. And just I can watch it a million times. I actually watched it a couple nights ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Never mind. The final number one of the evening. It's going to be one of the less radical, one of the less outrageous, because it is across the board considered to be a great movie, and I don't blame it, but I'm the only person of this group who picked it as their number one. And as the sequel to Batman Begins, I chose The Dark Knight. And the reason I loved it, and it's got so high up on my list, is the reason it's lower on some other people's lists. As a child, watching Batman the Animated Series, all of my favorite episodes are the ones where Batman was just kind of there. Where he was just the shadow who came in at the last minute and, you know, did what he could do. And that's what this movie, this, this that's kind of what that movie represents. It's Batman is... He's just there, and that's all he needs to be. He's in, he's always in the back of everyone's mind in Gotham, but he's ne- he's not always the most in-your-face glaring feature of Gotham. You know, they've got all this other stuff going on. Aaron Eckhart did a turned it into an amazing job. As again, very different from anyone here. One of um, um since I was a kid, one of my favorite Batman villains was Two Face because he. Of all the, because Batman's villains all have this, you know, you know, okay, have this kind of reversed version of Batman. Each, each character is, you know, plays up their own opposite of Batman. And Harvey, in two different ways, Harvey, as a character, as Two Face, has two different, you know, modes. There's the duality version, which I love, and then there's the, there's the blind justice version, which is a much more interesting character-wise than you know. The duality of man concept of Two Face. There's just the blind justice version. You know, what's the difference between blind justice and sheer dumb luck? That's what Two Face is about. And Aaron Eckhart did a good job of making you care about Harvey in the same way that the animated series made you care about Harvey before Two Face happened. You know, um,. Heath Ledger's Joker, that that first, that the bank robbery scene, it's just, I could just watch that. That would be an amazing short film. Just the bank robbery. And I love how Ledger's Joker didn't have a plan. He didn't need to have a plan. He just did things. He was this pure agent of pure chaos. He didn't care what happened as long as something happened. Um, Of course, this movie, just like The Crow, will never not be tied to Heath Ledger's passing. Um, And that doesn't sway my opinion whatsoever. It makes me... Heath Ledger's passing makes me even more sad because I feel like... He could have... I don't know. His Joker was just so amazing. It was so unnerving. And an un, just the performance just unhinged. And just... Something about that movie always gets me. It's... it's You know... It's, visu- it's visually different from... You know... 
Batman Begins. Batman Begins was all these, you know, was all these brights and toxic yellow, toxic orange and yellows because fear. And Dark Knight was cold and gray and black and unnerving visually, and it was so good, and it kept you on the edge of your seat, and... I don't know, that's just what I think. Also, everybody, also, so glad Richard blew up. Best moment ever. (laughs) (laughs) Hate that character. Really, really do. Worst female character ever in a movie. In a superhero movie. You know. Um, So... That has been our top ten superhero movies. You've been with us for about two hours, um, and we've—I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for staying with Thank us for two hours. Thank you very much for staying with us for two hours. We've covered the gambit, covered the gambit of so many different types of superhero movie, from the stylized to the to the literal to the bright to the dark. Um, it was all really lame. Yeah, it was a, um, <laughs> worst podcast ever. I'm just kidding. I love doing this. We need to do this again. Yeah. We do. We really do. In the last awful. In the last couple moments, would anyone like to talk about a movie that they didn't put but was very close to getting on their top ten? Because uh, I definitely I mentioned, uh, I mentioned Hellboy two earlier. Yeah, definitely, definitely the Hellboys. Um, here's one that was on no one's list and generally isn't on a lot of lists, but The Shadow. Oh, shit. I never really thought of The Shadow oh. as a superhero movie. I don't even know what that is. The Shadow is, it's it's very, um, Alec Baldwin turns in a great performance. One of the best scenes in The Shadow is um, he's in the bedroom. He's in a bedroom just uh, talking to the female lead. Like, and she's like, oh, I had this dream about flowers and puppies and love. And Alec Baldwin just dead. Just, just, I had a dream that I ripped off my face and I was another man underneath it. You have problems. I know. Uh, it was, I don't, it was, you know, I don't know what to call it, but it's like, sort of like steampunk, but for the 50s. Just that hyper stylized extra tech 50s, you know? I don't know what that's called. Some sort of punk. Name that for me, people in people on the internet. Name whatever the equivalent for steampunk would be, except in the 40s and 50s. Would it be rockabilly? Yeah, sort of. Nah, I don't, something like that. Rockabilly is a kind of music. Yeah. What did you say, Mike? Mike. Whatever, but it's just so it's visual. It, I, I just love it. I just love it. Um, Mike made a joke earlier about Daredevil, and I'm going to mention the Daredevil director's cut. What the Daredevil director's cut is is Daredevil is poop, and the director's cut is ice cream. <laughs> it cuts out so many unnecessary scenes and adds in. So much, so many better scenes. There's an entire subplot with Foggy trying to get somebody off of a murder charge. Bullseye scenes are actually in a chronolo- in the chronological order that makes some sense. Bullseye actually has a story. He's just like, I'm here, now I'm here, now I'm over there. 
<laughs> it cuts out the unnecessary awkward sex scene. Oh, good. I am going to go in a completely different direction, and I'm going to say the almost made it Ooh. onto this list. The for Vendetta. Ooh. I don't know. Almost. It's just when I I I, I would have put it on there, and I would have put it on there very high. But something about it just it seems more though it is a guy with a mask doing some version of heroics. It seems more. V for Vendetta is definitely Evie's movie. More than it is V's movie. Yeah. V's just there as this constant reminder of, you know... Kind of like The Dark Knight. Yeah. but Yeah, sort of. I, I don't know why V, because V for Vendetta is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's just something about it makes it... Something in it, something in my mind never associates it with superhero movies. It's just... It's V for Vendetta, you know? Because he never really does anything... Heroic. No, nothing he does could ever be considered heroic. V is... It's considered a form of terrorism, but... V is a hardcore terrorist. What's a revolution if we can't have dancing? <laughs> um, I, I think that's it. Yeah, that's about it. Um, that's really it. I would... I, nah, I ain't got nothing to say. Oh. So... We just, we just end this before I embarrass myself. No. We need further. you to embarrass yourself at least once. Honestly? That's why I said it further. <laughs> my, 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 Mike, may remind this. A movie that a lot of people look down on, I quite enjoy the Thomas Jane Punisher. I oh. quite enjoy that film. I need uh -huh. to see that. I still need to see it. And <laughs> I am going to love it. I it, fell asleep. I'm gonna be honest. I, I something about that film just catches me. I quite enjoy that film. Um, I haven't I haven't seen Warzone or the Lundudrin. Uh, oh no 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 no! Six foot oh two six foot two Russian man trying to play trying to play Frank Castle just seems kind of silly. Guys, can I ask a question? What? Have any of you had the honor and privilege of seeing David Hasselhoff in Nick Fury? No, I want to see the shit. Oh, God. for another podcast me and Chris do. I want to see it. You can see it and make fun of it with us. Yes. I want to see it really badly. Um, <laughs> why did no one say Watchmen? Everybody had huge blue boners for Watchmen when it came out in my area, but I just, I hated that fucking movie. That's because you're an idiot. Because you're literally an idiot. Ah, I just Rorschach. It was just all like, okay. Everyone, get, everyone gets so in a, in a tizzy about Rorschach. I honestly, Rorschach's an interesting character. I don't think he was a be all end all of the movie. I hate him. I yeah, actually, I think if I if I if I had to connect with any character, it was probably Night Owl because personality wise, mm. I think I'm the closest to Night Owl. Before Best. we get before we get too far into this, because this might go for another while. We can talk to this at a, at a later time. Um, for the sure, further, <laughs> shut your face. I'm trying to close <laughs> out my podcast. Um, the other episodes of Four Colors on the Page will nowhere nowhere be near that format, but that's a format we'll discuss at another time. The best part yeah. about Four Colors on the Page, except for this episode, since it was a top ten, is starting on our next episode. It'll be accompanied by a shorter accompanying podcast that'll come out. The day after 
And that's called the flame pit, because anytime you talk about geeky stuff, you're going to get in an argument. And I believe that the best arguments need to be isolated. Oh my god, yes. Oh god. Every week, you'll be able to tune in for Four Colors on the Page and the Flame Pit. Also, also, hopefully, starting up again monthly, check out me, Miller, and hopefully these guys eventually, on the Riffy League of America, where we sit in front of shit and talk about shit. We have three episodes up at the time. Episode one, our pilot episode, the 1993 unreleased Fantastic Four film. What? Yes. Yeah. Episode two, the never-before-aired 90s Justice League pilot. I'll see that, I know. And episode three, we talk about the 70s, 80s classic, the only Alan Moore movie he's allowed his name to be put on, and that is The Swamp Thing. Really? If you're going really? to watch Riffin League of America, watch Swamp Ass. <laughs> Alright, so I had fun. Well, are we close it out by just introducing ourselves again and saying goodnight or what? Yeah, that sounds like a plan. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Four Colors on the Page. I'm the TC1993. To my lady side, we have... Omni. To my blonde guy side... That's John and Miller time, or just Miller. And to my mic side. <laughs> uh, that's me. <laughs> this has been five. This has been four colors on the page. We hope you had fun. Thank you. Good night. Support Tip your, your waitresses. <laughs> Tip your waitresses. Support your <laughs> local comic book store. And remember, always keep reading. Thank you and good night. Four Colors on the Page theme music is provided by PodcastThemes.com. That's PodcastThemes.com, the provider of some of the best podcast theme music on the web. With six free themes for you to use. That's PodcastThemes.com.